Welcome to Your Daily Chocolate, where you'll continue to get funny stories, clean jokes, and interviews with inspiring people. You made this podcast one of the top 25% most shared podcasts globally and top 25% most followed. Nice to know that good news is appreciated and Patty's committed to delivering the antidote to all that negativity. Like chocolate, this podcast is meant to make you feel good and it's good for you. Enjoy. Welcome back to Your Daily Chocolate. Hard to believe we are in season three. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for sharing. You have made this podcast one of the top 10% podcasts in the world. You heard that right. According to Listen Note, we are in the top 10% of most popular podcasts. So thank you. And keep on sharing. Keep on listening. What a way to start season three. My guest today may be short in stature at only four feet, four inches, but has a huge personality. And according to her, she is perfectly normal. In fact, that's the title of her book. But one of the reasons I invited her on was her inspirational story of not only coming to America as an immigrant after having a catastrophic accident, but on crutches, scaling Machu Picchu, 26 miles, 40,000 steps, and she did it all on crutches with the help of, of a guide. It's going to leave you amazed, and I am really thrilled to have her join us today. Michelle, I am excited to have you with me today. You're the first of season three, and I can't think of a better way to inspire my audience, my listeners, than to talk to you. Thank you so much, Patty. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. You've got an inspiring story. I just said that. But I want to start going back a ways with what might be considered a tragedy. You actually had, you were per permanently disabled at the age of 11. Do you mind telling us what happened? No, not at all. I was, I'm an immigrant, so I came to United States when I was 15. And prior to that, I spent all my childhood in Taiwan. So I was born in Taiwan, raised in Taiwan. In fact, I was raised in a military family. So my dad was in the military for a while in Taiwan. And we had this, we, we had to share the same space with my uncle, my grandparents, and all in a very small uh, lot, like the traditional Taiwanese house in the village house. And it was very small and that we only had one small bedroom and there was four of us. So my parents, my brother and I, we live in this small bedroom. It's okay. probably the size of an average uh, American garage. So that's the environment that I grew up with. And that's um, typical for Taiwan, isn't it? That's the norm for the most it's part. It's typical, especially for military family, because okay. a lot of these military came uh, back in the days when the during the Civil War in China. And so that we came with the military and we were only able to have this much of space. So the space was very limited for military families. Okay. And so that's the space I grew up in. And when I was growing up, I was very typical kids. I, was, I experienced a lot of different things. I was very curious. So I remember one of the things, I'll get to how I had the accident <laughs> soon. 
But I have one of this、uh, memory about、uh, one time my parents they were going out to get some water because we lost water. It was during some crisis, and so they were going out to fetch water from the fire department, getting、um, water. And I, my brother and I were just standing on the side on the curbside, and we had peanuts in our hand. So I decided, out of my curiosity, I wonder what would happen if I shuffle peanuts into my nose. Oh no! Oh, oh yes. no! So I took peanuts stuck in my nose, and I didn't know how to get them out. So I panicked, I cried, and of course, you know how what happened when peanuts meets the water, it starts to expand. So there I was, my curiosity was totally killing me. But I was, <laughs> I was like, okay, I wanted to know what would happen. I think that's a, something that a lot of kids have tried. Actually, I I know my sister had tried erasers. Oh、like、yeah. <laughs> And I was a very typical kid growing up. Nothing、yeah. special about me. And when I was eleven, I remember coming home from school one day, and I was crossing the street waiting for my mom to pick me up. And I saw her from the corner of my eye. So I said, "Oh, okay. So let me cross the street to meet her." So there, I was waving bye to my friends who was walking with me. Decided to cross the street, and as I got to the middle of the street. I heard a lot of commodity that was going on, the chaos that was happening, and people were shouting. And I turned around, and before I knew it, I was I passed out. And based on from the witness, what they're saying was that there was a taxi that ran the red light, and it was coming towards me very fast. And there was no way that I could have got out of that accident. And so the the taxi pushes me about a hundred feet away, and、Oof. by the time I woke up. I was in the hospital bed, and, you, and did I, your mom witness the whole thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Oh. She was on her way picking me up. Yeah, and a, a lot of what I have learned in life really came. She's a role a model for me because a lot of what I have learned in life came from her. Yeah, you know, growing up, I remember going back and forth in hospital. I never saw her shedding a tear. Never saw her cry. And、wow. she's just just a strong woman who would not give up, no matter how difficult the situation is. And so she set a great example to、yeah. me to be strong, to be resilient, to even though that you may not have everything, you figure out a way to survive,、yeah. and later on to thrive. Yeah, I like that. And so she's like totally my example of how I model myself. In for many years, and a lot of us we th- talk about resilience. We talk about being strong, right? And sometimes when we get into that space of being becoming so strong, becoming so resilient, it's actually at some point I almost believe that it was a curse and not a blessing. Being strong became a curse and not a blessing because there were times where I wish I could be someone else, and I wish that I didn't have to be strong. That I wish I could come、yeah. home at night and there's someone else to be there, to hold my hand, to give、yeah. me a big hug, and I don't have to be strong. Yeah. And so it's funny how we strive for resilience. We empower others to be strong and resilient. But there's a balance. It's a tricky balance between when do you be strong, when do you be strong, and when do you ask for help. Don't you think that's kind of very standard these days for women in general, that they're expected to be independent, 
and not need anybody to lean on and and be successful and be a survivor. And they go home and there's nobody there to help them pick up the pieces, right? Because they're supposed to be able to do it. Yes. Because we're super women. Exactly. Exactly. So so I think while we're doing such a great job in empowering women to be strong, to be independent, to be being able to just handle it all. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're just human beings. We're just normal. We're just everyday people. We wanted to, we have our ups and downs. And when it's not going well, I like to open up a pity party and I want to invite all my friends to come and enjoy ice cream with me. Would that be okay? Can somebody just please tell me that's, that is totally okay to do, right? Instead of feeling like we need to feel ashamed, we need to doubt ourselves, we need to have that imposter syndrome. Like, let's get rid of that. I have a piece of chocolate. But oh, that exactly. And you're on your daily chocolate. So I'm all for that. If you have a pity party with ice cream and chocolate, call me. Right. We, so, so I think the society has done a great job. And I am just so, I would say, tired of hearing the fact that you have to be, you have to be strong in order to have it all. Right. My whole journey, what it had taught me is, yes, being strong is important, but it is also important for you to ask for help when you need it. And let's let's get back to your journey a little bit. So you get hit by a taxi, you end up in the hospital. And what happened to you? So I woke up in the hospital and I looked down my, uh, basically from my waist to my ankle, I was, the doctor had wrapped me with the plaster with the cast and I was not able to move. Luckily, I was not paralyzed, but I was okay. unable to move for three three months. And they sent me home. They sent me home because they want me to recover. And kids, usually they recover pretty fast. And so they were just waiting for my bone to heal. But my bone was not healing. So they had to bring me back to the hospital, go in and start having surgery. So okay. I had pains and surgeries. I counted, I have a total of 13 scars on both of my legs. That was at the age of 14 and 15. Okay. Uh, imagine 14, 15, you're a teenager. You wanted to look pretty. You wanted to go out. You wanted to. And back then, I don't know if you remember. You're too young to remember that. We had, <laughs> we had the hair. You got to blow dry it to make it like all fanned up, right? And you wear mini skirts and tight clothes. Because yes. that was the age that you wanted to impress boys. Sure. I was in that space of I wanted to impress boys, but I couldn't because of my scars. Right. And by the time I was discharged, my doctor also given me a pair of metal boots to wear. So very clunky. And yeah, I remember not attractive. I even, not very attractive. <laughs> and I could not find any pants that would fit over it. Okay. So I always had to wear a long skirt that covers it up altogether. And I was walking with two crutches. So the two crutches that me were like, buddy, I cannot yeah. go anywhere without it. And that was not something that I was looking forward to as a teenage girl to wanted to impress boys. So I kept hiding myself. Yeah. And so ultimately I decided, you know what? I don't want to look this way. So I'm just going to get rid of my metal booth and I just want to try and look normal. So I pretended that the accident didn't happen and I was walking like a penguin everywhere and slowly as I walk into adulthood, earlier I said I wasn't paralyzed, but it still caused me some imbalance. So yeah. when I walk, I look like a wobbly penguin. And, but I want, I insisted, I wanted to look normal at least. Right. 
And so that was, that took majority of my time. So, so a good chunk of up until college, I tried to walk without assistance. I tried to walk just walking by myself, but that didn't really help. And it put a lot of pressure on my leg. So my left leg is about two centimeters shorter than my right. Oh gosh. And that's my permanent damage to my leg. So now into my adulthood, by my 30s, I graduated from college. I could no longer walk two blocks without any assistance. And for a long time, my mom was my assistant. My, I held, held on to her hand. So everywhere I go, she would go. Oh, what a great mom. But, but that's also very hard for you as a young woman to always yes. have your mom with you. Yes, yeah. even to my first job interview. Oh, really? And yes. So I was that much lack of confidence. I was not feeling good about myself. Didn't have a lot of courage to try new things. Yeah. And so I, when I was able to, when I graduated from my college, I was a chemistry major and I went and applied to Boeing 790, 747. Okay. So they had a company out in New York, Long Island, New York. And I remember I got the interview, walked in, all these guys were like big guy, like six foot, and they're all like really fit. And here I am, four feet, four inches tall, walking in, college degree with a chemistry major, walked in and applying for a management position. Oh my gosh. I did not think, number one, I did not think I was going to get the job. Right. Number two, my mom was waiting in the car with me. And I couldn't go anywhere without her because it was just that lack of confidence. Yeah. She believed in the fact that I could do something wow. for myself. Did you get the job? No, I did yeah. not get the job. <laughs> and this is a tip for everybody, right? Your level of confidence, how you show up is going to impact the person who's receiving it. Yeah. And so the moment that I walked in, I already have this self-doubt. Yeah. Oh my gosh, who do I think I, I am to right. come in here and to be these people's boss, to be a manager? We're, pe we're, we're applying for a management position. And who do I think I am four feet, four inches tall? How am I going to talk to these people? Like I'm looking at giants. And so that level of energy, that level of about my self-perception walking in, of course, you can imagine that interview didn't go well. Right. Right. And so your level of confidence is going to determine how successful you are in what you do and how you do it. Because yeah. at the end of the day, people are not interested in what you have to say. People are interested in how you show up. Right. And if you can show up confidently being yourself in your own skin, people are more likely to pay attention to what you have to say. I bet if they met you today, they'd be looking up to you. There's a lot of people who say that, but yes. Okay. So at some point you decide, Yeah, I, I want to get physically fit. First, why did you think you could even do that? You've got damaged legs. You're mm -hmm. four feet four. How do you take on that journey? I, I think for, for anyone who's living a life and nothing has been working out and there's just been a lot of challenges and self-doubt. At some point in your life, you're going to realize that, you know what? I don't want this anymore. And that moment of having that idea of, I don't want this anymore. You may not know what you want in the future, right? But you know, but it's this not this. Is, it's not this. Yeah. It's just not this. 
And that is a great feeling and it's a great moment for you to have. And if you're having that moment right now, congratulations, you are on a great journey, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is the beginning of the change and you and I both know it. I hope if someone is listening to this and you're having that moment of this is not it, then congratulations, you're on a great journey. And I had that moment when I got to 40 and I remember I woke up one day, I was just thinking, this is not it. So what is it? Right. And I couldn't run on the treadmill, never been to a gym. I never done anything physically strenuous because I just couldn't. And I didn't believe I, myself that I could. And so I woke up that morning and I was watching YouTube video and they had these like a uh, balancing ball, the Pilates ball. Oh, yes. Working on, right. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I could do that. It's just a ball, right? I can just get a ball. So I remember that day, that very same day, went out to Target, bought myself a Pilates ball, came home, and I started doing more research on how to use Pilates ball for someone with disability. Okay. And that opened up my doors and I, oh, I can do these exercises. Oh, cool. Okay. I can sit on there. I can rock back and forth. And so it started motivate me and I put myself onto a a, a diet. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a diet, more like a lifestyle modification, right? Because yeah. I do have 20 years of ex- clinical pharmacist experience. So I know it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, lifestyle modification. Yeah. Yeah. So I put myself on that and I start to track everything that I eat. I go to grocery shop, nothing that has more than ingre- three ingredients. I won't shop. I just put it back onto the shelf and I start doing all these changes and it made me realize that I want more. And it almost became like a good type of addiction, right? When yeah. You want something more for yourself because it feels good. Yeah. And you want more. You want to experience more of it. And so I want to experience more of it. And then the next thing I did was I don't want to go to a gym where everybody's exercising. Everybody looks so fit. Perfect image. Muscle man. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to try something smaller, just smaller steps. And so I found out that there's a local gym in my community that they you can walk in and they train you. So I hired myself a personal trainer. First day, I called up the owner. I said, hey, this is my situation. And would it be okay if I come check out the gym? So he introduced me to the gym. He interviewed me and he obviously saw my condition. I said, well, I'm looking for a personal trainer. Do you have someone that you can recommend? And he volunteered himself. I can train you. So I said, great. When do we start? And that just got, got me onto this personal development journey. And that's the best thing ever that happened in my life. So you start to get fit. And at some point you say, hey, I think I want to hike Machu Picchu. Yes. So, so like we thought, it's about this fulfillment of addiction, right? Yeah. That, that good adrenaline start to pumping and you want more for yourself. And I said, well, if I can come to the gym, if I can walk on the treadmill, I'm sure I can hike Machu Picchu, right? But that's a huge jump. You could have said, I want to walk around the lake somewhere in in Los Angeles or whatever. But 26 miles, all stairs, high elevation. That's a big jump. I think for me, it was more about a personal validation. I want to be seen and I want to feel belong. 
I, I think one of the biggest struggle that I was experiencing was not feeling seen, not feeling that I belong. Okay. Because I look physically very different right. right, from the rest of the world. And emotionally, I felt very different. I'm always, um, instead of listening to uh, Beyonce or Backstreet Boy, I was someone who's listening to Tolly. I was listening to like reading all these Buddhist journal or Buddhist book. And I was on a different spiritual path. I, I always yeah. joke that I look young, but I have an old soul. Yeah, yeah. And so I was on a different path and I want to have that sense of belonging. And one of the things that would make me feel belong at that time when I decided to go to Machu Picchu was the fact that I need to be part of a conversation that my friends were having. Because all of my friends who's around me, they all went to Machu Picchu and they all okay. came back saying, oh my gosh, it's so, so amazing. You got to try it. And plus, it's one of the seven wonders of the world. Yeah, There's the China, Egypt, the Tower of Egypt. Uh, Angola and there's Machu Picchu. So I want to be part of yeah. the world. I want to be part of the conversation that would bring me joy, that would bring me fulfillment. And so, so did that you go was, with friends? Or no, I went by myself. But with a group, right? Right. Okay. So, but you so, didn't know any of them. Oh no. Uh, we end up becoming friends, uh, long life ones, yeah. but I didn't know if every anybody when I booked that trip. I book it by myself, yeah. went there to Cusco, Peru by myself, and I was doing a lot of prep work um, beforehand. So I did a lot of research. It, it didn't just happen like, oh, overnight, I'm just going to go. I did a lot of preparation, including the physical preparation, including the uh, mental preparation, including the fact that I knew I don't want to drop that in the mountain and I want to be able to be found. So I booked myself a helicopter insurance just in case. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just in case. Right. So I was prepping myself with that. I also booked myself an additional walking guide so that he can walk with me because okay. usually it's one, one two liter per team to go up to the Machu Picchu site. So in order for me to get a little personal attention, just in case I need more additional help, I had to hire another uh, tour guy to okay. walk with me to make sure I'm safe. Yeah. So I did all the preparation. I did all the research. And, and then I booked that ticket to fly myself to Cusco, Machu Picchu. Now, there's a part of the story that I, I don't usually share. I, I don't believe I share to a lot of places. And there's a, two days before the hike. I was so happy because I checked into Peru five days before to acclimate yeah. myself to the high altitude. Yeah. yeah. So two days before the hike, I came down with stomach flu because I was uh, so happy. Oh, Michelle. I was so happy. I'm like enjoying the, the country, the food, delicacy. Yes. I ate the curry. I, I ate had the savache. Very cultural experience, right? But two days before the hike, I came down with stomach flu. Got sick and checked myself into the local community hospital. Two oh, days before no. the big hike. Yeah. Oh, that had to take a lot out of you. I was pumped. I was ready. I was determined. And this is something I share to a lot of people is that what do you need in life to be successful? You need three things. Determination, dedication, and discipline. Yeah. Determination is going to get you to places but dedication is going to help you to actually do it 
And discipline is how you're going to finish it. So with, with the determination, dedication, and discipline, I was in the hospital in Peru, and I was calling my sister. I said, hey, I had this stomach flu, and I had to check into the hospital. And she was screaming on top of her lungs. She's like, you need to get back here. I don't even know why you're doing this. I right. don't understand. Why can't you just book a flight to Paris and enjoy it in a hotel, walk around? <laughs> And so she and I are completely opposite, right? Shop like normal people, right? Yeah, she's Gosh. like, I, I will cheap in. I will come with you to Paris. Like, why do you have to do this? Just come home. And I said, no, I'll stick to it. I'll see by tomorrow. If I don't get better, then I'll come home. By next day, I got better. I asked the doctor in the hospital. I said, hey, listen, I came to your country because I want to hide Machu Picchu. And you have to let me go home. You have to let me go now. Because I need, to, I need to meet up with the rest of the group. And so I didn't ask to go home. I asked her to discharge me so I can go to the hike. So you start your hike. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was, my, that was the one thing that I came to Cusco, to, came to Peru to do. And that is the one thing I want to accomplish. So it took you, what, four days? Four days to hike through. Were there any times during that where you thought, I know you had to like tape up your wrist that they wouldn't break because you're literally on crutches and going up 40,000 steps and that kind of thing. At any point, did you say, maybe I took this on a little too quickly. I'll come back next year when I'm in better shape or my sister was right. I should go to Paris. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's funny because what, once, I did, once I decided on that hike, there was no turning back. Okay. And even on the first day of that hike, I was the slowest. I was always, they have like these porters and donkey that carry the equipments up towards, up towards the mountain. And even I was the slowest and be slower than the donkeys. Oh. I, I, I was still very determined. I was yeah. pushing down. I was trying to figure out a way so that I don't have to, my wrist was burning. They were burning because I, every step I walk, it's a push down, a yes. push up. Right. Yeah. But never had I questioned myself whether or not this is the right decision. I was thinking, how do I get through this? How do I get through this so that I, I, I can check it off from my bucket list? And so that very same night, when I sat down with the two leader in the tent, who said to me, Michelle, you were the last one and you were the slowest in the group. And next day on day two is the hardest day. It's the longest day. Today, oh, we hike about eight hours. Tomorrow, it's going to be harder because we're ascending to higher altitude. So you're going to feel the physical. You're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel the burn. Now, so was here's he encouraging choice. you to go home? Here's yes. a choice. He gave yeah. me a choice. He said, you have a choice. Now you can go home. Or if you want to continue, then we really need to talk about how you're going to continue. Um, I would highly suggest, and here, here, the, I can send you with my people if you wanted to go back. So he gave me a choice. And I was sitting in the, in the tent with him, and I was just bawling. I was crying. Yes. I said, please don't send me back. I want to do this. I didn't come this far to be this far. I really want to do this. And so I made my choice. Yeah. It was, it was clear in that moment. That I only have one choice to make. And that one choice is I am not going back. Yeah. Going back means I have to continue to play small, continue to live small. And there are always going to be a day where I'm thinking, 
oh, I'll just, today I'm not feeling well. I'll just do another day. There's yeah. always going to be that moment of self-doubt. There's always that moment of talking myself out of doing things, but it's not today. Yeah. And today I want to decide that I want to continue. So we both came up with a plan. And the plan is that the rest of the group typically don't start till seven o'clock in the morning. Right. So he suggested that I start five o'clock in the morning, that buy me two more hours to walk to our next campsite. So, so instead of everybody usually take eight hours to yeah. travel to the campsite, it took me 10 hours to get to the campsite. Okay. So that whole 10 hours, I was just pushing one step at a time on my crutches. And on the second day, it's all ascending. Yeah. Everything is going up. And some of the, the road is not paved. It's very rocky. There's small pebbles along the way. So when you walk on the crutches, there's, the crutches has rubber on the bottom. And so when it meets the pebble, it becomes very slippery. Yeah. So, so every moment, what I was focusing on day two was, where do I land so that I don't slip and fall? That was my whole focus on that trip going up to the second day, to the peak of the Machu Picchu. They that takes it, a lot of concentration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The second day, the peak of the, the summit is at the Dead Woman's Pass. And I wonder why they call it the Dead Woman's Pass. Now you know. It, yeah, now I know. Because you may not get past to it. And I kept asking my tool guy, because there's a, one extra guy who was walking with me just to keep an eye out for me, right? So, so I keep asking him, are we there yet? Are yeah, we there yet? And he did a great job in empowering me. He said, almost just 100 feet. And all along the way, he just kept encouraging me. So a lot of the footage that I put on YouTube are footage that he had helped me to videotape. I had no idea what I was going to use, use with them because back then I didn't know where my life was going to be. Yeah. And I'm really glad that he was the one who's uh, documented that whole journey. So now I have a story to tell. And there's a, I watched that. I, I guess it was on YouTube, but I thought maybe it was on your website, but it, it was really fascinating to watch you going up and people passing you by and encouraging you. Yeah. And then, and at the end, how thankful you were to the whole team. And, and especially, I think maybe that was your guide. Yeah. Uh, now, amazing. I, I think there's a lot of lessons that I have learned on that trip. And one of it is, yes, every single one of us have purpose, but I could be an inspiration for someone else, but at the same time, that passing that we have, that glimpse moment of your encounter, that person, the stranger, is also inspiring you. Yeah. Right? You may be an inspiration for someone else, but that stranger can also be an inspiration. So we keep lifting each other up every moment of our existence. Because you never know who's watching. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, what a great place to kind of stop. You've got several books. One book. One, Just one book. One book. Yeah. Okay. It's and called Perfectly Normal, an Immigrant Stories of Making It in America. Okay. And where can people find that? People can find it on my website. So when they go to my website at elevatelifecoaching.org, under about, there's a there's an order book section and they okay. can read more about the book. Okay, terrific. We'll, we'll put that into our show notes as well. Mm -hmm. And before I let you go, Michelle, I always end with some rapid fire questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. Who inspires you? My mom. 
definitely my mom. She's been my inspiration. She's my role model. She set a lot of good example of what it takes to be a strong woman. Yeah. What do you want to conquer next? I want to conquer uh, Kilimanjaro. That's always been on my bucket list. Well, I don't have a date yet, but now that I made it announcement, it, I have to do it, right? Because All right. I'm going to be following up with you. I've, I've been wanting to do Kilimanjaro. It's been about on my bucket list since I came home from Machu Picchu. Wow. All right. What is your superpower? My superpower is vulnerability. Mm. And, and I think it goes back to being strong means that you're able to get through a lot of difficult times. But vulnerability is also important because it means that you have to ask. Ask yeah. for help. Ask for support. Ask for the community that you deserve and ask for the connection that you love. I love that. Do you have a word for the year? I do. My word is synergy. Oh, very good. Okay. Because we cannot exist. We cannot function without the help of others. And synergy to me speaks about belonging. It's that sense of belonging. It's that sense of collaboration. It's that sense of being together. I love it. Yeah. And because this is called your daily chocolate, what's your favorite chocolate? My, I'm, so, so <laughs> it's funny because I love, I don't eat chocolate. Oh, no. I, I don't eat chocolate. <laughs> but I, I, I love watching people eating chocolate. So I'm always that one person <laughs> who bring chocolate cake to a gym and who bring boxes of chocolate to work because I love and enjoy the joy that I see people when they eat chocolate. So I'm addicted to the fact that chocolate brings you love, energy, connection, and happiness. But if I were to pick one type of chocolate, I would think it's for chocolate. Okay. So if you don't eat chocolate, then what's your guilty pleasure? Do you have- my guilty pleasure. Oh my gosh, there's so many, but taco. Really? <laughs> yes, taco. <laughs> I can eat three, four, five taco for, yeah, five ta- give me five taco. I'm like, Oh heaven. my gosh. That takes me to heaven. That's like the opposite of chocolate. I don't know. Wow, taco. And a lot of people who follow me on social media, they'll see this too. Like Taco Tuesday. I count down to Taco Tuesday. I love it. Well, Michelle, it's been really fun talking to you and hearing your inspiring story. And I tell you, the next time I think I'm not going to walk down the block because it's too far and it's cold and my feet hurt, I'm going to think of you <laughs> and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Yep. There's no better day than today. Well, that's what I love you said. You know, you might want to quit, but not today. Yeah. You can do that another time. And if if you say that every day, you're going to keep moving forward. Exactly. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and found it inspiring. As people are making New Year's resolutions, here it is January. I hope you'll keep in mind something that Michelle said, that change begins when you say, this is not it. This is not all. This is not where I want to be. This is not where I want to end up. You can change that. And don't be afraid of that change. Listen, if you enjoyed this conversation, share it with somebody. Maybe they'll get a little inspiration out of it as well, or at least a smile. You can follow to make sure that you get all of our podcasts when they drop on Mondays. And you can support it financially as well. Uh, This costs money to produce and to post. And financial contributions are always welcome. 
but be sure to join us next week. I've got Gina Ramsey, who looks at life through a very funny lens and has a lot of mishaps that happen to her, but she's just got this great attitude. She's going to make you laugh for sure. So come on back. And until then, enjoy. Enjoy.